Last year, Pixar came out with a bunch of short films called Spark Shorts, and today we're talking about one of them called Float. Six-minute animated short by first-time director Bobby Alcidrubio is a story about a proud father of a baby boy who begins to float. He's initially proud of his son having this amazing ability, but seeing that his neighbors is a bit weirded out by his gift, the father begins to hide his son's uniqueness so that he and his family can be deemed normal. At home, the boy is allowed to express his gifts, but upon leaving the confines of his private world, the father becomes incredibly overbearing. Now the father seems to be playing a game of maintaining two faces, a face that's acceptable to the world, basically telling you, hey, we're just like you world, and also a face that lets the boy know, hey, daddy's on your side. That is until the boy lets loose and begins floating around the neighborhood kids. So now the father has to choose a face. Do I let my boy down and conform to the ways of the world? Or do I let the public know that we're not like everyone else? Or maybe a better way of looking at this is, am I a father that cares about what the world thinks of me? Or am I the father that loves my son for who he is? There's this really intense sequence in this film where the father is frustrated and doesn't know which face to choose. And then in a fit of rage, the father chooses to suppress his son's uniqueness and shouts, See, this is the moment when the two faces collide. The father chooses the face that says, stop being yourself and be like everyone else. The expression of your uniqueness has a place in time, which is at home. And you could totally see the disbelief in the boy's face. He thought his dad had his back. Now, immediately when the father sees his son's glow fade away, he realizes his mistake. He recognizes that he's put all the society's weight on him, represented by this backpack of stones, and in the process, crushed his soul. So, he tries to console his son. He comes to the conclusion that the world is too dull if everyone acted like everyone else. The world finds its true joy when people are true to themselves. And as the father consoles his son and encourages him to go and float again, the father no longer cares about what the world thinks of him or his son. And at the end of the film, the director displays this screen. He said this film is dedicated to his son, Alex, who made him a better father. So who is Alex and what's the story behind this story? Well, in a behind the scenes video, Rubio reveals that his son is autistic. And he talks about how he was feeling self-conscious every time he went out in public with his son. And he wanted Alex to know that it's okay for you to be you and that he will always accept him the way that he is. In the production of this film, Rubio reveals that his team of animators started sharing their own experiences. It turns out that they get embarrassed when their non-autistic kids act differently than their community. So over time, this film became a passion project for the entire team. A short film about parents learning to accept their kids as they are, autistic or not. Now, as a side note, there is a part of me that kind of pushed back on this point. I mean, isn't it the parents' job to make their kids acceptable to society? I mean, when I teach my son manners, aren't I in essence trying to change him? I mean, when he acts up in public, shouldn't I discipline him? And upon reflecting on these questions, I realized that there is a huge difference between what I just listed and what the film is really about. 
because in the short film, the dad was different at home than he was in public. He disciplined his son in public because the father was ashamed of him. It wasn't for his son's sake at all. And that is different than someone disciplining their kids at home for the kids' sake. Now, as I was watching this short film over and over and over again, I had this theological question that kept on popping up in my mind. What does God think of us when we teach our kids to conform to the people around us? I mean, King David, in a theological poem he wrote about two and a half thousand years ago, said that every human being is fearfully and wonderfully made by God. And throughout scripture, there's an understanding that God created you with care. Your face, your body, your personality, your mind, everything about you is important to God. But you might be thinking, really? Like even when I have evil thoughts, like when I hate someone so much that I wanna inflict pain on them? I mean, how about my shame? How about my pride? Was that part carefully crafted by God? And the answer to that is, well, no. Basically, when God created you, he created you with a perfect vision. What I mean by that is that you were supposed to be a certain person with a certain personality with a certain purpose, but we lost that vision. Like imagine that if this is who you were meant to be, we added other things on top of that. Or think about it this way. If you were a beautiful meal on a nice plate, like let's just say you were a nice cut of steak, we added too much gravy to it, we added salt, too much pepper, you poured sugar on it, toothpaste, soda, dirt, you added all these things on top of it. So your true self, the steak, is lost in all that mess now. And this is what the ancient Jews believed about humanity. They believed that God created you with a divine design and you or some other people around you, intentionally or non-intentionally, added a lot of stuff onto it and all the other stuff that they added onto it is called sin. So if these people believe this, that means that they wanted to make sure that when they're raising a child, that they didn't add more to the child than they were meant to add. In one of their ancient wisdom writings, it says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. What this means is God wants you to raise your kids in the way that God designed them. So if they seem like they have a knack for art, raise them to be artists. Or if you see them have this propensity for building things with their hands, do everything you can to help them become the best builders or engineers they can be. But God's original intended design for each person isn't just about their profession. I mean, if you can discover what we're meant to do with our lives, that's a huge win, right? But more so than what we do, we want to know who we're meant to be. I mean, it's great that God cares about me and what I do with my life and how to live my life, but does God care about the kind of person I become? And the answer is a resounding yes. In the New Testament, we see verse after verse about how God wants to transform who we are. In one of the letters written by one of the first Christian leaders, also known as Paul the Apostle, he urges a bunch of people to meditate on the fact that when we identify ourselves with Jesus' death, we are in essence putting our old selves to death. And here the old self is referring to the person we have become, basically the person that we are with all the mess on our plate. He's saying that that hot mess we put on the plate is now dead and it's gone. Then he says that if we identify ourselves with Jesus' resurrection, then we are bringing to life the new self. And here the new self is who we're meant to be. So he's basically saying two things. Number one, he's saying that Jesus wants to help you discover and become who you were meant to be. And number two, he's saying that our job is the relentless pursuit of who God wants us to be. And the way we do this is by letting our old self die and letting our new self rise. And that sounds a bit complicated, right? I mean, what does it mean to die to self and rise with Christ? I mean, what does that mean? 
I mean, Paul, can you reword it so it's a little bit more tangible? So he attempts to illustrate his point again, but this time he uses like a clothing metaphor. It says, you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Okay, if that didn't make any sense, then let me teach it to you by teaching you a new concept. It's called eschatological realism. Okay, so to understand what eschatological realism is, you have to understand two concepts and then mash them together. So the first concept is that since the day you were born, sin has polluted who you were meant to be. And then the second concept is that we are all created in God's image. That means your true self came from God. So the logic here is that as you grow closer to Jesus, you'll become more the person you were intended to be. In another letter that Paul wrote to another community, he says this, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So basically you have these two concepts. First, sin has been forming you your entire life. Your ugly past has made you the person that you are today. But on the other end of the spectrum, you are growing closer to Jesus, and the more you do so, the true you is being extracted from your sins. Oh, and by the way, there's a Jewish word for this, and the word is teshuva, which means repentance. Teshuva in Hebrew literally means to return, as in return back to the person that God intended you to be in the first place. Eschatological realism says that God originally intended you to be a certain person, so rather than letting your past form you into the identity that you are not, Jesus is pulling you towards who you were meant to be. And this is what God wants for each of you. If you ever thought, why am I not like everyone else? Well, the theological answer to that question is, well, you're not supposed to be like everyone else. You need to be you, and anything other than that would be called sinning. And when it comes to raising your kids, do everything you can to develop the uniqueness of your child. If our calling is to experience heaven together, then we have to let ourselves and our children be more of who God intended us to be. My favorite part in this film is at the very end. When the dad lets his son be who he is meant to be, the storytellers wanted to animate the dad to be excited, like, like the most excitement he's ever experienced in his life. And this is what we got. <laughs> I mean, the whole world seems right again when everyone is able to be the person they were meant to be. So church, may you always relentlessly pursue who God intended you to be. And may God give you the strength and courage to be you. And may we all, including your family, experience heaven together. God bless.